Hi, it's Rob West. And before we get to the podcast, I wanted to tell you about a special group of people. MoneyWise patrons are supporters for this nonprofit ministry that choose to send monthly gifts to support two critical areas. First, helping to extend the reach of our national radio programs, money management app, website, and other resources. And second, providing free MoneyWise app pro scholarships for students or people in financial hardship. Would you consider becoming a MoneyWise patron by making a monthly financial gift to MoneyWise? Just visit MoneyWise.org and click Donate. And thanks in advance for your generous partnership. It's easy to get rid of a credit card. Just cancel it. But is that the best way? And what if there's a balance? Hi, I'm Rob West. We get a lot of questions about credit cards. One of the most frequently asked is, how do I cancel my card? Well, the easy way isn't the best way. I'll tell you how to do it today, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is MoneyWise, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. So you might be tempted to think that you just have to call the credit card company and tell them you want to cancel, but there's a bit more to it than that, especially if you want to minimize the impact on your credit score. I'll get into that in a bit, but first I want to mention that it's always a good idea to cancel a card you don't need because it reduces the potential for fraud if the card or number is stolen or lost. So when should you cancel a card? Well, first, when you realize that the card has an annual fee that's more than the benefits you've been receiving, if any. That means if you're paying a $135 annual fee, but you're only getting $100 a year in rewards, obviously you'll be money ahead by canceling the card. You should probably also cancel a card when you're running up and maintaining a balance. If you can't resist the temptation, it's probably best to cancel it. And as I've told you before, any rewards you might be getting are meaningless if you carry a balance. The interest wipes out any cash back or rewards points for using the card. Now, I mentioned that canceling a card will usually impact your credit score, and folks are always asking why that is. First, you have to understand the five factors that make up your credit score. Your payment history is a big one, whether you've paid on time or late, and it makes up 35% of your score. Uh, That's followed by credit utilization, how much you have in outstanding balances versus your total available credit. That's another 30%. Then there's the length of credit, how long you've had each account open. That's another 15%. New credit counts for another 10%. And finally, your credit mix makes up another 10%. That's whether you have just a card or if you also have a car loan and maybe a mortgage. Lenders feel that having different kinds of credit makes you a better risk. Keeping those in mind, you begin to see how canceling a card will probably lower your credit score because closing that account can affect three of the five factors making up your score, your credit utilization, length of credit, and credit mix. Unless the card is completely maxed out, it will mean you have less credit available. It will also reduce the total length of time you've had your accounts open, and it may eliminate one type of credit in your overall mix. All told, cancel 
canceling a card has the potential to negatively affect 55% of your credit score. So if you want to cancel several cards, it's best to spread that out, canceling maybe one just every six months to lessen the impact. The effect is only temporary, but you don't want to magnify it by canceling several cards all at once. Now, how do you actually cancel a card? Well, here are the steps. First, redeem any rewards pending on the card. If you just cancel the card, you might not receive them. Then you want to pay off any outstanding balance. Technically, you can cancel with a balance, but you'll still be accruing interest, so paying it off is the real priority. Next, and this one can save a lot of headaches, check your card statements for the last few months to see if you have any automatic charges. For example, maybe you have AutoPay set up for your car insurance, various apps or streaming services, and take this opportunity to cancel any you're no longer using. If you find any you do want to keep, put them on another account because if you miss them, it could result in late fees. Now, you're finally ready to call the credit card company to cancel. They have different procedures for this, so ask for specific instructions. For example, you may have to do it in writing. On the other hand, you may be able to cancel the card entirely online, so check the issuer's website to see if there's an online procedure for canceling. If so, follow the directions carefully to make sure it goes through, then hang on to any confirmation you receive that the account is closed. Now, there's still one more step to make sure the card has actually been canceled. After about 30 days, check your credit reports from each of the three reporting bureaus, Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. You can get them for free at annualcreditreport.com. If you find that a report still indicates the account is open, you can dispute it online. Hey, as we head toward year end, let me encourage you to consider a gift to the ministry. MoneyWise is listener supported, which means we rely on your gifts. And now more than ever here at year end, just head to moneywise.org and click give. We'll be back with your questions just around the corner. Stick around. Do you ever feel stressed or anxious about money? If so, that's normal. But you don't have to accept that. You can find peace of mind and financial security. Learn how with the 31-day devotional, Money, Seeking God's Wisdom. You'll find powerful scripture and practical exercises for spiritual and financial growth. You can request your copy with a gift of any amount. Would you consider a monthly or one-time gift by December 31st? Just visit moneywise.org give. What if buying groceries, gas, or dining out could help change lives? With Christian Community Credit Union's Cards That Give to Missions, you can help spread the gospel, combat human trafficking, and protect vulnerable children with every purchase at no cost to you. Apply for your card today. More information is available at joinchristiancommunity.com. That's joinchristiancommunity.com. The Credit Union is an underwriter of this ministry. Membership eligibility required. Welcome back to Money Wise. I'm Rob West. What if we were to think of God's money, and that's what it is, it's all His, as a tool 
to accomplish his purposes, to live out what's most important to us as believers, those whose values align with our faith, if we were to orient our money in that way, perhaps it would change everything about the way we spend it, allocate it, prioritize its use, and try to gain more of it. Well, each day on this program, we explore that idea to apply God's wisdom from the Bible to the financial decisions and choices you're making every day. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. Back to the phones we go to Canton, Georgia, not too far from me. Liz, thank you for calling. Go right ahead. Hi. Yes, thank you for your program, and I'm a longtime listener going all the way back to Larry Burkett. Oh, I'm delighted to hear that. (laughs) You're not too far from uh, where Larry was. That's right. Yeah, Gainesville, I believe. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. um, Yes, ma'am. Yes, he missed him dearly, but he had yeah. uh, left a legacy and had helped me quite a bit. I'm, I'm out of debt, houses paid, cars paid, and I am going to be going on Medicare very soon. And I'm just inundated with a whole bunch of stuff uh, in yeah. the mail in regard to Medicare Advantage. And I know there's some options there, uh, Medicare Advantage or a Medicare Supplement. I'm very healthy, um, but I know that if I don't go on Medicare, there's penalties um, there with uh, Medicare Part B, and also I need to be on the drug plan or, uh, or else there's penalties. So what advice could you give me in uh, figuring out which way to go on this? Yeah, Liz. Uh, well, uh, there's really two options, and they really are both considered Medicare supplements. Uh, there's the Medicare Advantage, which you referenced, and then there's what's called a Medigap policy. And the main difference is the Medicare Advantage plans tend to have lower premiums, but generally provide less coverage than Medigap plans, and you have to stay in their network. Uh, and now, alternatively, the Medigap policy would have higher premiums, but also more extensive coverage and more choices for your providers. So what do you do with that? Well, the rule of thumb is this, is if you're in good health and don't go to the doctor very often, then a Medicare Advantage plan would likely be the best option for you. But if you have some issues that require a lot of care or you want more choices for your providers, then that's where the more expensive Medigap plan can uh, probably be best. In terms of the the programs themselves, uh, within the Advantage and within the Medigap, they all cover the same things. And so it's really just a matter of price at that point. But that's really how you determine which is best for you. Does that make sense? Um, Yes, it does. Um, So basically, I I need to look at um, what they cover, but you said they cover the same thing, right? Well, no, within the category. So one Medicare Advantage plan over another Medicare Advantage plan, they're generally all going to cover the same things. It really just comes down to the pr- the price. But the first question for you to determine is, am I going to go Medicare Advantage or am I going to go Medigap? And the difference between those two comes down to if you're more healthy, you generally have less office visits, you're going to save money and it's going to make more sense for you to go Medicare Advantage. Uh, If you have some issues that require a lot of care or you want more control over your providers, then the Medigap, the more expensive Medigap plan would likely be best in that case. Okay, so I need to call my provider, I mean, uh, my physician and see if they're in which system they're in. And uh, also, 
Um, now, can you switch back and forth between, uh, like, Mary, uh, the advantage or the Medigap? Is there a possibility? If, right now, I don't need a whole bunch of of uh, benefits, and later when I may need some benefits, could I switch over to Medigap? You can. It would have to be done during the open enrollment season, uh, which begins November 1st each year for most states, and then they all have different deadlines. But yeah, as long as you did it during that window, you'd be able to switch from one to the other. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. All right. You are very welcome. We appreciate it. There's a lot of options online for you to shop and and compare the Medicare Advantage plan. So I would take uh, advantage of that, Liz. But all the best to you in this uh, next season. We appreciate your call and your kind remarks about uh, the late Larry Burkett. All right, back to the phones. Uh, Valley City, Ohio. Teresa, how can I help you? Uh, Yes, sir. I have some questions about some uh, life insurance monies that I have. Uh, My husband passed earlier this year, and I have been able to pay off our house uh, with our 401ks. Uh, we have the investments of about 160000 uh, I've got about 200 that I can invest. I did see a financial advisor. He is recommending that I put it into, um, there's a forethought life insurance company, or there is a Jackson uh, variable or fixed annuity. Both of them are annuities. I don't, I'm kind of hesitant to uh, put it back into that type of an investment when I already have, you know, a majority of uh, our assets tied up with our 401ks with the same type of um, investment. So I'm not really sure what direction I should go. Yeah, and are you concerned uh, about the potential risk that you're taking with that extra money if you were to put it into these suggested uh, insurance products? Yes, especially if we go into a deep recession like uh, yeah. like we might be heading into. Yeah. Well, if you want to transfer the risk away from yourself and the markets, um, you know, going into an insurance product actually could be a way to avoid a lot of that. You wouldn't have to go into a variable product where it's uh, driven by the underlying investments inside the annuity. You could do a guaranteed fixed annuity, which is where you get a fixed rate of return no matter what the market does. Um, and so that would be a way to provide you some stability on a conservative basis. Now, you're not going to – there are downsides to annuities. Largely, you're going to lose access to the money without penalties, at least in the early phase of it. They tend to be expensive, and you, know, you typically are going to give up a, a little bit in terms of if you were to assume the risk, keep access to your capital and have it invested, uh, you, know, you have the potential for a greater return. But to your point, you also have the potential for a capital loss as well. Whereas with an annuity, if you're really trying to say, you know what, I just want to overcome the effects of inflation. I don't want to take, you know, really any risk with this. I've already got 160,000 in 401ks. That's where an insurance product with a guaranteed return could make some sense because you don't have to think about it for at least that portion and it will grow. And then at some point down the road, you could turn that into an income stream if you needed it or tap into it. Um, so that may be the way to go. All annuities are not created equal, and a lot of them are very expensive, and you've got to read the fine print. So that's why having a trusted advisor who can 
can help you navigate all that can make a lot of sense. So I'm not opposed to this. I think it's just the type of annuity you're looking at and really making sure that aligns with the risk level you're willing to take with that money. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Thank you very much. Okay, if you'd like another opinion, somebody who shares your values, we recommend the Certified Kingdom Advisor designation. These are men and women who have met high standards and character and competence. And you could find a CKA there in Ohio at our website. Just go to moneywise.org and click the button that says find a CKA and do a zip code search. But uh, we appreciate your call today, Teresa. We're going to take a quick break here on MoneyWise when we come back. Our final segment with your questions, 800-525-7000. Stay tuned. Much more to come just around the corner. Forty-five thousand. That's how many times MoneyWise referred a listener to a certified kingdom advisor or CKA last year. And for good reason. These are trusted financial, legal, and accounting professionals who have completed a rigorous certification program to ensure they provide biblically wise financial advice. You can find a local CKA professional in your area by going to moneywise.org and clicking the Find a CKA button on the homepage. If the heavy burden of debt is robbing you of freedom and peace of mind, Christian credit counselors can help. We're a nationwide nonprofit credit counseling organization that has helped over 300,000 individuals in the last 27 years get out of credit card debt 80% faster while honoring that debt in full. To learn how Christian Credit Counselors can help you, visit ChristianCreditCounselors.org. That's ChristianCreditCounselors.org. Or call 800-557-1985. Welcome back to Money Wise. I'm Rob West, your host. We're taking your calls and questions, 800-525-7000. Let's head to Austin, Texas. DJ, thanks for calling. Go right ahead. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I have a question. I'm not sure if you know about it or heard, but um, have you heard the forgive, tax forgiveness from IRS? Because I have these people calling me. Um, I guess maybe I search online to see if I can do it, um, and some people calling me. So finally, I spoke with one person today, and he said, well, the tax forgiveness, he will give me a loan, and then he'll pay off IRS for me. Then I pay them off. So no, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go anywhere near that. Uh, you know, okay. the uh, if you're going to work, you would want to only work directly with the IRS, and it's called an offer and compromise that you would want to have representation. They are willing to work with you to, in some cases, reduce your reduce your tax liability if you're able to pay it in full or get you on a payment plan. But you don't want to go through a third party. The reason is that there is a lot of scams out there that are rampant. Basically, what they will do is um, they will tell you that they can uh, get you to, uh, they'll find a way for you to qualify for a government plan to settle your tax debt, but it's uh, basically they're impersonating a government entity that's either the IRS or related to the IRS. They'll charge you a typically a large upfront payment, and that's often equal to the amount of cash that you might list on an asset inventory if they have access to that. But essentially, they're just trying to scam you out of an upfront payment, and then you're never going to hear from them again. So I would go anywhere near this, uh, DJ. Do you have back taxes that are owed? Yes. Okay. Uh, What do you owe? Do you know roughly? 
um, about twenty uh, twenty five, twenty seven thousand. Okay, uh, and do you have a CPA that you work with? No. Okay. What I would do is connect with a CPA uh, or accountant, somebody who uh, probably is what's called an enrolled agent. But the key is just that they have experience representing taxpayers before the IRS with what are called offers and compromises. And they should be able to get you uh, set up on a payment plan that would fit into your budget. Or if you have a lump sum that you could do a payoff with, they may even be able to get that negotiated down. But you need somebody that can help you. You can do it yourself, but if you don't know what you're doing, and most people don't, um, it's nice to have somebody representing you. But that would really be the only direction I would go, DJ. And not not calling um, IRS directly. You could. You certainly could. I just find in situations like this, it's going to be a little more effective to have somebody working for you who knows how to navigate the system, especially related to these offers and compromises, and can represent you. It's just, you know, it can be tough to do it on your own, but if you certainly want to start there, there's no problem with that. The IRS will work directly with you, but in my experience, having somebody represent you who's experienced in this particular area is helpful, okay? Okay, thank you so much. All right. God bless you, DJ. Tyrone in uh, Muskegon, Michigan. Thanks for calling. Go right ahead. Uh, yes. Hi, how are you? Hey, Great, my thanks. question is, I'm trying to make it quick as possible. Um, I have a friend. She's doing a quick, she want to do a quick claim, a quick claim, how you pronounce yes. it, on her home that she inherited with her sister. But it's so many complications. What if she just want to wipe her hands so because she on SSI? So she can't really outright sell it because the money that she get off the house won't be enough to cover her medical and all that, you know, through the years. And she just um, went through about a cancer. So she just want to you know, try to get rid of the headache and stress and all that. So she was planning on doing a quick claim to her two children, you know, like 25, 25%, 25% of her question was, would she have any tax revocation on that? She all about maybe 2000 back taxes on it, but she was planning on paying that off before she do the quick claim. That way it'd be free and clear. Yeah. Uh, no, it would be considered a gift and she'd have to file a gift uh, tax notification to the IRS. So you're allowed to give away 16000 per person per year. It's going up to 17000 next year and you don't even have to let the IRS know. If you go above that number, so let's say this happened next year, if it goes above 17000 per person, that 25% share, then the rest of that would be considered a gift and it would go against her lifetime gift exclusion, which starting next year is over $12 million throughout your lifetime. So as long as she doesn't plan to give away $12 million, then she's good. But she would have to notify the IRS of the value of that gift so they can apply it to her lifetime gift exclusion. But apart from that, there would be no tax ramifications. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. They're going to help 100%. Absolutely. Thanks for your call today. God bless you. Uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Hey, Dorothy, how can I help you? Hello, thank you for co- taking my call. I yes, have an RRA, which I've, I've had it about 20 years. I did use it, some of it, for a car. But as of last month, it just worth uh, $13,000. And I have it in a local bank. And I was wondering, should I t- take it out and put it somewhere? It doesn't seem like it's drawing any interest. So that yeah. was my question. Yeah, is this money that you don't intend to touch for a long time? 
Yes, I know. I don't want to touch it. I'm, I'm probably just leaving it for my children. Okay. Um, so I think the question is, how do you want to grow it? Uh, you could put it in CDs inside that IRA. As soon as you take it out, it's going to be added to your taxable income for the year. Uh, okay. What is your age? Uh, 88. Okay. So are you taking a required minimum out each year? Well, no. I haven't touched it for a while. I did have to get a car, about okay. 6000 uh-huh, but yes. I haven't touched it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it is an IRA, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, uh-huh. you're going to need to. Sure, you're going to need to connect with uh, an, a, a CPA to find out if uh, you you sh- you should have been taking out starting at age seventy and a half a certain amount each year based on the IRS's table. It's called a required minimum distribution. They make you take out based on your life expectancy and the balance of the account. You've got to take a certain amount out each year. And if you don't, there's penalties and interest on it. So you're going to want to connect with a CPA to find out how much of that needs to come out in order to satisfy that required minimum. Apart from that, you could either put it in CDs right there in the bank, or you could invest it maybe in a high-quality growth mutual fund because you don't plan to touch it, so it could just grow until the Lord calls you home, and at that point, it could be in, uh, then be distributed to your heirs. So I'd call your CPA or find one, and then I'd decide, do you want to stay ultimately safe on the investments? If so, let's use CDs. If you're willing to take a little risk, I'd put the uh, IRA money into a high-quality mutual fund, and our friends at soundmindinvesting.org could help you with that. Dorothy, thanks very much for your call. Well, that's all our time today. But before we go, if this program has been a blessing to you, would you consider becoming one of our financial supporters that helps this program stay on the air? You can donate securely online when you click the Donate button on our website at moneywise.org. And thanks in advance. And I hope you'll make plans to join us again next time for another edition of Money Wise. Money Wise is provided by Money Wise Media and listeners like you. 